Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's version of the OSINT Curious webcast podcast. I'm your one of your hosts here. I'm Micah Hoffman. I go by Web Breacher. And this week, we have uh, several of our other normal cast members. Nico, say hi to the folks. Hi, everybody. And we've got Kirby. Hey, I'm here too. <laughs> And we have a special guest this week, Steve, uh, who goes by the uh, the Twitter handle of Nick's Intel. Say hi to everybody. Hey, everyone. Nice to see you. And thanks for having me here. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. Um, I also want to uh, take advantage of, um, I want to take some time and uh, say hi to our live attendees. We've got 856, Eric, Ginger T, MW and OSINT. Nice. Uh, welcome and thanks for joining us here live. Uh, you are welcome to help us make this show great by sending in your questions. Uh, we have uh, Steve here that's and we're going to interview him in just a second. But if you have questions or comments or you want to chime in during some of the show, as always, please send us your information. If you are somebody that's not able to attend the show, I get it. It's Father's Day here in the United States and around the world. It's later on a Sunday. Um, please go ahead and feel free to use the hashtag OSINTCurious and say, hey, in your next webcast, talk about this. And we'll, we'll uh, go ahead and cash that up and go forward. Anything before we get to the uh, wonderful guests that we have here, Nico, Kirby, or shall we just get right into the interview? Let's in. talk with Steve. I'm excited to hear about. <laughs> I hope I can live up to your expectation. Yeah. <laughs> Bars all Listen the way to those last blog posts that we're going to talk about eventually here. I know yeah. you. <laughs> so, Steve, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, How did you get into OSINT, that kind of thing? Uh, how did I get into OSINT? Um, kind of by accident, really. I mean, everyone, OSINT is really varied, and everyone seems to have different um, sort of routes into OSINT, how they end up doing it. Um, I, my background is um, in criminal investigation. Um, so, I've been doing that for a long time. That's been, uh, been my career. Um, and I kind of wandered into OSINT by accident because I was, I was never, I had no IT background, um, but in my work as an investigator, it, as time went on and the internet became more and more prominent, um, a more and more prominent feature of um, how crimes were committed, there was always like a need for an, an internet guide to find things out. And I was always maybe a little bit of a geek. Well, I was a bit of a geek, there's no, let's not lie. Um, <laughs> um, so I, I was always a guy who could get things from the internet. Um, and it, yeah, it kind of went from there, really. Like, um, I never had any, I, I haven't had any sort of training or anything like that. It's just, um, and you guys would probably agree with this, like, there's something about finding stuff out on the internet um, that is really satisfying. You've got to have that, like, real curiosity, that nosiness and that, that drive to find stuff out, um, to find things that are hidden, uh, that people want to stay hidden and you want to find them. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how I've done it. And I, over, I guess... Um, quite a number of years I've sort of now found myself I, I still work in law enforcement but uh, as kind of the computer guy the OSINT guy more or less full-time now um, so yeah I I do all sorts of stuff but predominantly supporting um, criminal investigations uh, finding people uh, finding criminals finding missing people that sort of thing cool so um, within OSINT, within the, the field, uh, what are some of the things that you like gravitate towards? I, I love usernames and that kind of stuff. What do you like doing? What you... Um, really, it's really broad, actually. Man. Usernames are a big one um, and depends on the sort of stuff. But uh, usernames, um, social media presence, um, and then at the other end of the scale, that's when you're sort of maybe perhaps looking at 
um, individuals and small groups, things like that. Um, and then at the other end of the scale, you perhaps, um, I like to dig into sort of domains, um, how they're structured when you have uh, you know, criminal enterprises who are um, run multiple domains as part of a fraud, for example, and you, then you're digging into their infrastructure to see how they're structured and where they're structured and um, where they keep hopping to one thing to another. So yeah, um, everything really like, but um, most of all, I, it's about uh, finding ways to find people who don't want to be found, really. Cool. Are there things you don't like to do when it comes to conducting ocean research or something? Like sp specific things? Um, some things I don't like to do. Um, I don't like, <laughs> I don't like, it's kind of a sports analogy, but you know, in, in sport, there's like, there's such a thing as like home advantage, right? So, and it's the same in OSIN. I, obviously, I'm in the UK. And if I'm researching people in the UK, like it's a home fixture. I know where to look. I know where to find them. What I really dislike is when you get, um, they're sort of over the horizon somewhere in like Eastern Europe or Russia or China and they're beyond that reach or there's a language barrier. That gets really yeah. frustrating uh, and it becomes very time consuming. Uh, and that's the, that's the real big challenge. Yeah, so when you, know, you follow the trail somewhere and find someone who's like in China and suddenly your web searches start, they stop being in English or even European languages and the characters check you, it's like, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to lose this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I, don't, I, don't, I don't like that. Yeah. I think that's a that's a really great point that you have there. Is that you know, uh, for me, uh, everybody knows that English is English is just a hard language for me, much less another language. Um, and so when you have an investigation that takes you and you're following the trail and it, and you know that there's more stuff out there on that website or in that those areas or that social media platform, having to go through the the hurdles of constant translations and and using tools to to go there it it, it feels like i'm like osenting through quicksand or something it's mm, like okay yeah. i can get through this i know the steps but that language just hurts yep now nico you know you know several languages right um i know german i know french a little bit well english of course mm -hmm. maybe a little bit of spanish okay and kirby you've got some languages under your belt as well right Right, as an Arabic linguist and you know some Farsi and did some crash courses in uh, Russian and Greek. Wow, wow. So I, I could not uh, read anything of those right now. But the, the idea is, again, you know, the other language, every single language or every, I guess, family of language would be a different case. So the tools you could use against Spanish, yeah, you can use some of those translation tools, but you have to like, just the understanding of the, the Romance languages, the Germanic languages, etc. They all have a little bit of a different nuance to them and mm. it, yeah, it can be difficult. Yeah. It, for me, for instance, when I was doing like a lot of research in um, Arabic field, even where the buttons are placed because everything is from right to left, yeah, we're just disorientated while clicking on stuff. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That, that throws a lot. I mean, that throws a lot of people off because you know I can I can understand what's happening on a, on a page based upon my understanding of, of the English and where the English buttons are, what those icons might look like. But in other cultures, those icons don't mean what you think they mean. Um, also, yeah. even just when you're, say you're just translating, you're copy and pasting it, you can copy and paste it into a search query and tell you through the whole formatting of your search query off. Right, so you have to take that into consideration. Even if you're not going to try and translate, maybe you just know this Arabic word's important. You copy and paste it into the Google. All of a sudden, now you're typing right to left. Yeah. And just to use, you know, use quotes first and then paste it inside. It's just some kind of, you know, little tips that you can take. 
and Kirby, you have a whole uh, uh, YouTube video talk that you gave on uh, on international OSINT and all the different tips and tricks that that can be used for de um, uh, not decrypting, but for uh, translating and just getting those nuances. Uh, maybe right. we'll throw maybe that. I in there. A, yeah, I could do a ten minute tip on that. Oh, that would be amazing. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Now let's get back to our our uh, guest here, Steve. You mentioned earlier that you are a little bit of a geek and and uh, you have some some hands-on skills, which you know for a lot of people that do OSINT, they don't have those hands-on skills. They they are browser focused, which is cool. They get the job done, but but you seem to have some skills. Not only because your handle is Nix Intel, which I'm guessing is like Linux Unix Intel. Is that right? Yeah, that yeah, very <laughs> much. <laughs> All right, guess there. Um, but also, you you just posted a series of blogs, which I'll I'll show when we get to sharing of the screen stuff. You posted a series of at least five different blogs on mm -hmm. how to set up your own OSINT uh, VM. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. So, um, long story short, I mean, like most people, I'd always use the Windows environment for doing stuff. Um, and again, like a lot of people, probably two, three years ago when Windows 10 took off, I, I found it really frustrating um, experience. Um, and the more I dug into um, OSINT tools and more I dug into the issue of privacy, um, I started experimenting with Linux. Uh, and probably about two, three years ago now, I put uh, Linux Mint on an old laptop. And I, I really, really liked it. I had no previous Linux experience. I had no background in programming, anything like that. Uh, but compared to some other distros, uh, Linux Mint was really easy to use. Um, and I, I sort of started from there. And I guess, um, I mean, I use Linux Mint all, all the time now. It's, like, it's my full-time um, workstation. Um, but because it's so customizable, so, um, you know, the browser set up the way I want it. If there's software on it that I don't want, I can remove it. Um, I can set up the desktop how I like, so I can have a really well-customized, fast workflow um, and loads of the tools that are emerging for OSINT stuff um, outside of the browsers, um, like a lot of the Python scripts that are, say tools like the Harvester, like Sherlock, all that kind of stuff. Um, it integrates really easily into Linux. And I kind of went from, I had a Windows partition on my, on my work computer and I had a Linux one. And eventually like after probably about six months or so, I realized I hadn't even booted the Windows 10 partition because I didn't need to use it. And when I did boot it, it updated uh, and it broke itself. So I haven't, <laughs> <laughs> so I, ha I, ha I haven't touched it, and, and I don't need to. So, yeah, that was my that's my Linux background. Um, again, I like encourage anyone who looks at people who use Linux and think they must be some kind of computer genius. Like it's really, maybe in the past Linux was a very difficult environment to work in, um, but with like Ubuntu and Mint now, it's really easy to work in. Um, so we have that sort of really um, black week, I guess, uh, two weeks ago where obviously lost Facebook. And, um, but Mike Bazell's uh, Intel Techniques site had always hosted the Buscador um, VM, which was like a custom Ubuntu uh, OSINT build. Uh, and he, think he got it back uh, after a few days, but I think when his site went down, he lost, um, like it wasn't possible to get Buscador. Mm -hmm. I thought like, I don't use Buscador, but I know a lot of people do. Um, and it's a really useful tool. I thought, well, actually, when, when you look at what, what's in there, um, it's kind of like, it's not too much of a, a, an entry, like a difficult entry barrier um, to get into um, Linux. So yeah, so the last few weeks, I, I start from scratch and 
Uh, I got the latest version of Ubuntu and fired it up in a VM and I did a series of tutorials um, looking at how really how easy it is to get some of the software on there uh, and then you could, ranging from like this well some of the tools that are already in the Ubuntu store um, through to some of the more complex um, Python stuff but yeah and it's I wanted to everyone to sort of be who read it to sort of be confident that they could do it um, and it becomes your own really powerful custom tool. Yeah, I, I think, uh, Kirby, you're having a little discussion in the chat about this, right? I mean... Oh, we thoughts? have... Um, Ginger said he's he's building his own, which is awesome. He's on par four already. Um, but I just said that, you know, if you can do this, yes, do it. But keep in mind that we do need, you know, GUIs. And for, for people who are considering building this, yes, you're going to do it. You should. Um, but in, for me, for teaching a whole bunch of my investigators, there's a lot of people who... You say Linux, they're like, forget it. I'm not even going to open yeah. it, right? Yeah. Um, so, so we do still need GUIs. Well, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and a lot of, uh, probably an awful lot of OSINT work you can do with a GUI, and uh, most of it is browser-based. Um, because when you when you look at those Python tools, and I, I think, uh, Mike, you'll probably know better than me, but you probably can make most of those run in, in Windows environment. Uh, but they're not easy. They're not that intuitive, and they're not that easy to use uh, compared to GUI stuff. Um, but when you look at what those most of those Python tools are doing, they're just doing the stuff you would do in a browser, just yeah. really quickly. So for me to make inquiries about a domain might take an hour of clicking through various websites. But you know, I fire up the Harvester and it'll do it in maybe two minutes for me. Um, all they're bringing really well, all they're bringing, but um, is speed and automation really. Um, well, but there's and a, I love automation, so don't get me wrong. Yeah. Well, there's a trade-off there, too. I mean, yeah. you essentially have to learn the language of the command line. Once you're yeah. familiar with the language of the command line, like how do you install, you know, pip install things? How do you get clone stuff? Or how do you even just do, like, change directories and make – once you get that basic fundamental stuff yeah. down – and I love your blog post because you, you do the screenshots and you're like, this is what it's going to look like. Here's what you do. And the, your uh, method of writing and documenting is, is excellent, Steve. Thank you so much right. for those. Um, but – you know that I, I agree with what Kirby's saying too. That that you can do OSINT in the browser, and there's a lot of yeah. automation tools out there, Absolutely, like yeah. um, like Microsoft Flow and and if this and that, or even scrapers that can do it. And when you get into the command line stuff, you can do so many things really, really quickly. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. And, and thank you for, you know, making it. Uh, so Buscador, if you don't know, it's, it's still out there on IntelTechniques.com's website. It's a self-contained all-in-one, um, not kitchen sink, but it's got a lot of the tools that, that we as OSINTers use uh, already pre-installed. You download the VM and if you don't know how to do anything, mm -hmm. you just boot it up. You log in as OSINT OSINT and you're going. I mean, it's all yeah. point click. And don't forget that that system is already hardened by Dave Westcott. Yeah. And, and those uh, Python scripts have GUIs. So it's, yeah, well, they put a lot of work in it to make it as foolproof as possible, uh, I guess. And I think that's something really valuable also. Yes, you must learn how to do it yourself just because then you know how the technique works behind it. Mm. But in my opinion, you also need to look into hardening that VM. And that's a whole other thing to think of. And I don't think everybody wants to have time for it. So it, I think it's really convenient when people like you, for instance, Nix Intel, or like uh, Bazell provide us with um, 
trusted VMs that we can just confidently download by yeah. getting the getting it on a hash based and download it and and I'm confident that well I don't download a compromised system. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you want to keep the barrier to entry like really, really low because you don't, OSINT's great and you don't want people to get caught up in how difficult it is to get started. So, and you know, and, and building, I'm I realistic, I know like building your own VM isn't for everybody, but um, it's fun to do anyway. So at, at the end of the day, I mean, like you, it's a VM, so you can't break it, right? So yeah. Um, and if you, if you mess it up, then you just delete it and start again. It's no problem. I um, love yeah, that. It's, it's fun, yeah. Yeah, and, and you're absolutely right. And there's a lot of benefits to using a virtual machine for some of your OSINT because you can take a snapshot of it, revert it back. You can, uh, it's really easy to clean. And, um, you know, once you get it set up, like you said, with your tools, with your processes or whatever it is that you're using, um, you can fire a new one up and get right into the, the work instead of having to do all the installation yeah. or, oh my God, I got to update <clears throat> So cool. So, um, so you're doing the the uh, the actual blog posts. Uh, yeah. What is something that you're looking to learn in OSINT? You know, with a field this wide, there's always things that we don't know that we want to get better at. What about oh, you? Yeah, um, it's funny because OSINT, there's almost different types of OSINT. Like it's such a broad, broad subject. I and mean, like one in the scale, you have guys like uh, Bellingcat who do um, some really, really good, probably. The most prominent um, open source investigations. Uh, I think some of the stuff they've done around uh, the Russian intelligence agencies and things like that, and some of their plots. Um, so that was something um, I wanted to learn more about, um, particularly around sort of the photo verification, identification stuff, because um, that's some, that's something that started to creep into more of my own work. Uh, and for me, they were the go-to guys. Um, at the other end of the scale, there's the guys who do an OSINT for uh, for hacking. Uh, which is a completely different kind of OSINT, like um, scanning networks and learning how to exploit them and socially engineer people, things like that. Um, and that I, you know, I look at these guys who, uh, are, um, like some of the stuff they're doing and you watch these Kali Linux tutorials and they're like, I'm really envious of those guys because <clears throat> what, what they're doing is it's still open source work, like, but uh, it's a completely different dimension and I have an awful lot to learn uh, from those guys and um, yeah so I mean it's, it's it's a massive massive community and there's all different sorts of things but yeah it, I'm, I'm kind of really interested in the uh, the Bellingcat kind of stuff and uh, the photo verification geolocation because um, that has started to impinge more on, on the work I do um, but yeah I'm also really envious of these guys who can code like absolute machines <laughs> I, I'm very envious so you mentioned a couple of things there, and I'd like to just shift the conversation in a second to my colleague uh, from from the Netherlands. Uh, you mentioned Bellingcat and really good at coding. Uh, that makes me think of you, Nico. Do, do you want to share why the Bellingcat thing is is uh, now something that reminds me of you? Did you just change jobs? Yeah, I just changed jobs, yeah. I shifted from LE to Bellingcat. And Congratulations. Well, I, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, just because that was the, the next logical step for me in my career. I was running into the boundaries of, let's say, what law enforcement allows you to do. More, it's, it doesn't have to do with abilities, but more with time, I mm. think. And now you have the time to dig into something like for weeks or months or even longer with an international group 
with various backgrounds so that makes it for me a little bit more interesting but still i have so much to learn like you said the the photo verification or video verification that's something else and when you look at how Bellingcat does that as a team that's well it's a big learning curve for me yeah. also so yeah it's really interesting to shift from every now and then to well step out of your comfort zone i guess i think that's summarizes it best yeah yeah i mean you got to keep learning and growing right you got to yeah. keep because the ocean keeps learning and growing um so back to you steve thanks yeah. i didn't want to put you on the spot there but i kind of did so <laughs> no you're right like um yeah i mean i'll, I'll mention bellingcat again um because I mean, it's probably it's like the last year about two years ago uh, i was at a, a law enforcement conference um where Elliot Higgins from Bellingcat came. He, he came just to do a little overview of, of one of his presentations, um, how they sort of exposed uh, various human rights abuses in the Middle East and that kind of stuff. Um, and he's like, Elliot's an, an awesome guy he, um, and he's really, really skilled and you're looking at what he's doing. And then there's a sort of Q&A session afterwards and you're like, oh, what, what tools do you use? What tools do you use? It's not about tools, it's about how you use them. That everyone's doing you know, if I just get the same tools as Bellingcat, I'll be able to do this. Well, of course, like, it's not so easy. Um, but Elliot, for all this amazing work Elliot had done, um, he said, well, yeah, the tools I use, I use Google, I use Google Street View, Google Earth and Google Maps, like for 90% of what was in that presentation. And you're like, okay, yeah, it's, there, there, is, yeah. there is no magic toolbox. Um, in fact, I, I blogged a little bit about this yesterday, um, but there is no magic toolbox. Like you don't just copy the Bellingcat tool set um and then become a, a wizard it's like it's really about method and knowing what your tools can do but knowing about what you want from an investigation and knowing how you can get it um and only then deciding um what sort of tools you want to use um in fact nika i think you, you wrote about this a while ago when you uh, like uh OSINT is a state of mind i think you yep. wrote about, yeah um and that's one of the things i've like i really learned actually from um from I mean, I've only been blogging maybe two, three months, uh, although I've been on the fringes of the OSINT community for a long time, but I started blogging um, because you want to start learning and exchanging ideas with other people. Uh, but that's one of the things that really comes out um, is sometimes we have a bit of a fixation with tools. Like if we only get the right tools, then we'll be these amazing investigators when really um, it's how you think about an investigation and how you plan it out first uh, to find stuff. And then you start applying the tools um, and that's, yeah, I, I kind of knew that already, but when you start doing it, um, it, yeah, it becomes all the more apparent, I think. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And that yeah. makes it like the shifting, like Facebook the last two weeks was the yeah. discussion in uh, the ocean landscape, but it all comes back to the state of mind now. We have to change, we have to adapt, and life goes on. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, I will, if, if I can, um, just... Before I forget, all I wanted to say about the photo verification Bellingcat stuff is um, one of the best sort of communities I've uh, resources I've come across in the last few months is um, QuizTime, which yeah. I think you guys have probably mentioned. Everyone's probably aware of it. I feel like I was a little bit late to the party, but uh, everyone seems to know about it already. But um, those guys are a bunch of journalists, mostly from uh, Germany and, and the Netherlands. Uh, they post like daily photo verification challenges. Um, and they're terrible because they always post them just before I'm going to bed. 
<laughs> no, I'll do it in the morning. No, I'll just do it a little bit now. And before you know it, like two hours have gone by. And, and uh, yep. but yeah, that's been a real steep learning curve. Um, yep. I, that's a really, really good resource for. For, I found it brilliant, and for anyone else who wants to like learn about photo verification, the geolocation is great. Yeah. So I come from a background of cybersecurity, and one of the things that um, we we've been talking about for a long time is is exactly the nuance that you two have just mentioned. That uh, you know, having Kali Linux or having pen test tools. That's one thing, but having the right mindset, having that determination, that initiative, that curiosity, that that drive, that I wonder if, you know, uh, is so very important to exploiting a system or finding out risk or whatever. And in our field too, you know, tools come and go, websites come and go. Heck, we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. Uh, what doesn't come and go is, well, okay, that's no longer available to me. Let's see all the other places that might have pieces of this, or maybe I can make it myself. You know, if somebody is on, I've seen so many tools in the last couple of weeks or months that where, where people are taking classic Python tools that have been around for a long time. And they're like, hey, let me see if I can make one with, that does exactly what I want. And I love that experimentation, that curiosity, and and all because that's what's going to keep you in the game. Is, yeah, is that mindset, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's why I like to keep things very simple. Although, like tools get complicated, and like say so they they keep changing all the time, and you can get bogged down. Thing, but really, it's just about being nosy. Like that. That's <laughs> that's what it comes down to. Like I want to know who you are. I want to know where you are. And yeah, it, it's, it's almost like addictive. Um, sometimes you, you really want to find out who this person is or where this person is or where this web server is really hosted from or where that email came from. Uh, yeah, and that's what keeps you going. And until that gets boring, I'll keep doing it. Yeah. But I don't think will. Yeah, but there's so many other places. Like you said, yeah. you know, the field of OSINT is like so huge. It's huge. Yeah. I mean, there's always going to be fun things. Cool. Um, Kirby, I want to be uh, conscious of you uh, not being on video here. Do you have anything you want to talk to Steve about, or do you want to get into the news of the week? Let's talk about the news. Um, okay. Yeah, don't don't worry about me. I will make sure you hear me. All right. <laughs> just want to make sure. All right. Well, uh, so we're going to transition into the news of the last two weeks or so. There's a huge amount here. And uh, Steve, please chime in cool. um, as well as our regulars. I'm going to go ahead and share my screen. Before we get to the news of the week, I do want to just show you what uh, Steve's Nick's Intel Twitter account looks like. Uh, let's get him a whole bunch of followers here and amplify his messages because the blog posts that you've been uh, making over here on Nick's Intel are, are really exceptionally good. And yeah. I, I love that you're writing and just how you put it together. It's well thought out. Uh, so uh, props to you, brother. Really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, totally Lighting agree. teacher will be proud. <laughs> you know, it's always that like primary <laughs> school teacher that, that, that gets the props. Yeah, Mr. Brown, he hated my <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into some of the major headlines of the week. The first one is we had a huge rash of tools that we had relied on, public tools, if you can call it that, uh, that were free and go private. And some of those include Intel Techniques uh, tools. Now, tools is, a, is part of the, it's behind the paywall uh, for Intel Techniques. We also had Pipple.com, uh, whose uh, free search has been retired. And we've seen other things go away. Now, 
uh, Kirby, I think you and I were talking about this, and I think Nico, you and I were talking about this in, in a, 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 another Slack. Is that you know sometimes we see these things which kind of decrease our ability to to do our OSINT the way that we've been doing it, but long term, you know, we find ways around that. Do you guys still agree with like, with that? Absolutely, happens yeah. constantly. I can't remember even how many of these kind of series we've gone through where all of a sudden some tools that we loved is completely gone and then okay so what's the next one we're still we're still getting that information yeah i remember the same thing twitter instagram they both used to have like these awesome apis and they are way more limited than they used to be mm -hmm. but i gotta give one big shout out to intel techniques because they have been providing like i think 70 or 80 percent maybe probably 90 percent of the os community with the tools we all used on a daily basis so uh, i find it really hard to see that it had to come this far for uh, bazel to shut it to shut it down yeah they, basically because just a bunch of people i don't know even i don't even know how to say it nicely but they just made it impossible for us you know the energy to host that kind of a tool set is mm -hmm. is immense. You have to keep updating it. You have to fight against all these again groups that keep trying to shut you down. Every time a tool changes or an API changes, you've got to update. So I absolutely yeah. get my hands off, and I'm I'm surprised it lasted this long because you see that's and that's part of the thing. You see a tool show up and it's awesome for a while, and they get hammered like that, and yeah. then they take it in, and it, it's just a cycle. Yeah. <clears throat> it's just sad. Well, I mean, you know, people say, oh, this is why we can't have nice things. And yeah, I mean, something's going to be on the internet. It's going to get probed. It's going to get attacked. It's going to be abused unless you put things around it. Um, I'm not sure why people went ahead and made their, um, they just, they just set up that, um, they, they, Michael Bazell had that, that uh, webcast through them or a couple of webcasts through them and, and then they had, hey, sign up, and now our free tools are behind this this free wall, and you can just give us an email. And then they're like, hey, just kidding. Um, you're going to have to pay for it now. So They probably found out there were really a lot of people wanted to use their tools. So they were like, well, yeah. okay, pay for it, right. which makes sense from a business perspective. Yeah. That one. Okay. You know, Bazell's been open about what's going on with his, but we, ha we don't know the full story. Maybe they're still having some similar issues as well. Yeah, I'm picturing them get looking at their lists of all the people that signed up. They're like, hey, John at example.com, Sally mm -hmm. at example.com. So all these people at the example.com domain. Interesting. Mm -hmm. um, all right. So, yep. Uh, so 856 is saying that there's uh, a bunch of uh, – so we made a, a conscious decision, uh, Nico, Kirby, myself, and the other OSINT curious people, that we would not go into depth about all the different sites that are spawning up tools uh, that are uh, available to replace uh, Intel techniques and Pipple and all those. Um, there are a couple out there that are absolutely ahead of where other ones were. Um, and the same thing with the Facebook, uh, you know, Facebook has uh, made some huge mm -hmm. changes in the last couple of weeks, right? That have cut a lot of OSINT investigators and journalists off at the knees, their investigations. Yeah. Um, and there's some people that have done some work to to go ahead and figure out what is the new Facebook graph like and what how to do queries. I think since all of that settling and, and Nico and Kirby, you know, uh, feel free to chime in here. Since all of that's still way up in the air and very flexible, we're going to go ahead and hold back and uh, and not you know talk about all these different sites that are coming up. Right. They're okay. just people I, I who are jumping in those gaps. 
right? Yeah, yeah. But I'm I'm going to highlight that uh, 856 didn't really share a tool. I took a look at it. Okay. And it's actually a news article about uh, New York Times teaching data skills. So it's not even a um, necessarily okay. a tool, but they're, they're, it's a, a course. Yeah. Oh, cool. And one thing which I wanted to point out was that um, actually Facebook uh, replied to, um, I think it was either Wired or Vice, um, that with them shutting down uh, Graph, um, they w are actively working on making their searchability better, especially for researchers and for journalists, because they tell that they know how important it is for people like us or other investigators to keep finding stuff on their platform. So I'm hoping that they're just as quick as cutting us off in providing us with new search tools, but I highly doubt it. Yeah, that sounds like a PR thing for me. to me. I mean, it's like, hey, you know, we understand that you're all upset about this. They also, I also saw a post where people were like, well, you know, Facebook, you've stopped our ability to find things. And, and that also means that you've stopped, you know, uh, oppressive countries and mm. companies from finding the same stuff about people. So, so the, you know, they've decreased everybody's ability to do things across the board. Seeing what comes back and what they allow law enforcement or uh, researchers to do in the future, that's going to be interesting, Steve. Yeah, I've, I've seen a, like two different stories. I've seen the, the official line from Facebook, which was uh, along the lines of, yeah, well, people weren't really using the graph search anyway. Uh, most people search by keyword, so we brought back a really functional keyword search for you. Uh, but I think it, it was Hank Van Ness from uh, Bellingcat who he'd spoken to some Facebook sources off the record. And the story was all the same, that they don't want another privacy scandal. They don't want another Cambridge Analytica um, and <laughs> which, you know, we decide which is true, but, um, they like, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be too much of a hypocrite with this because Facebook, Facebook graph search, let's say it was, it was an excellent tool. You could do a lot in a very short amount of time with it. Um, but at the same time, Facebook are getting hammered and rightly so for their complete disregard for people's privacy. Uh, so we're like, well, which, you know, and now we're, yeah. we're a little bit upset by it. We're like, we wanted you to, you know, take privacy more seriously. That, my privacy, not other people's. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that was something that I was like, this is so hypocritical because like we're on one hand professionally, I'm like, hey, we need access to that tools. But personally, yeah. I'm like, please don't let anybody do this. Uh, you brought up an interesting um, point though, the privacy feature. Um, I, I'm not really sure that I, I know that Facebook's cut off the, the graph search, but as far yeah. as a privacy violation, what Cambridge, Cambridge Analytica did, didn't they have like a mobile app that did stuff in the back end? and Facebook is still selling advertising yeah. and other things. So I don't picture that they've cut off everybody's access to our data. Yeah, they, they've made. You know I'm going to say that. Oh, yeah, I just want to point in that they didn't cut off anybody. All those searches are still capable, not even through necessarily the, you know, do the base 64, although the base 64 version of doing it might get you to your exact re record easier. I feel like I've been playing around with the, their, just their keyword search and their filters and being able to get the same data, which hopefully I can kind of show how I'm doing it anyway. So I think they just made it a little bit harder. Um, okay. Yeah, I don't think that the privacy thing works at all for this. So you, no. you think that they've taken a language that we knew and were easily embracing and, and using and they've scrapped it and now we're using a different language and different methods, but it's all still there? 
it's all still there. It's it's all still available in my I opinion. I look forward to your 10-minute tip on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it makes sense, though, because when someone posts, it's like global and they, they like tap the little global thing. It's still there for the public. The information is still there. The comment is still there. The picture, which is for the public, is still along the way to find it is a little bit harder. Yeah. It's not like the database on the back end changed. With... Yeah. Well, let me go ahead and, and just uh, go back to what uh, 856 was posting here. Uh, this is a New York Times thing uh, where they have, uh, they're teaching its reporters data skills. So, I mean, you know, a lot of things that we do is data collection, right? The analysis of this is where a lot of the OSINT comes into play. It's capture the data, pull it in, and then let's see what it means. Um, and here they've open sourced a program. I haven't read this article. Kirby, did you get through it a little bit farther than I? No, I mean, I just have the link myself, so I kind of scanned through. And, uh, but it's, again, it's not a tool. It's more like, here's some, cool. you know, educational information all right um, we covered facebook uh any more things about facebook um there's a question yep. on the, uh, who what what which started the cambridge scandal so we want a little bit of background on the cambridge scandal okay so anybody want to take on that yeah um, steve Go ahead. yeah I'll, I'll do my best it seems an age ago now but i, I think the um Someone will correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I think the upshot of it was that Cambridge Analytica were a, um, or the front for some, some big data mining organization. Uh, they developed an app which they're targeting, basically targeting uh, Facebook users and taking their data to assess their sort of voting intentions and their electoral habits, that sort of thing. Um, and the sort of, I think it seemed really obvious to me that Facebook were probably doing this anyway, but then it became public that Facebook were actively selling off people's data to third party companies so they could profile them. Uh, in this case, I think it was to do with an election. I can't remember what it was, the US elections or the Brexit election or something else, I, I've forgotten. Uh, but I think that was kind of long and short of it is, and that was a little bit of a wake up call to people about this amazing free service who like called Facebook and that they were, how they make their money. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Exactly. And uh, they were they were very big in the 2016 elections and helping to shape and, and focus what was provided to different populations. And with graph search, they were able to target very, very specific pockets of people with specific messages. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was it was very interesting. Um, so. All right. So Facebook, uh, we're going to keep watching and seeing what people are posting. And, uh, and, you know, this will eventually go ahead and evolve into something. We'll have a, a lot of places. Uh, we mentioned that some places are putting up tools. Intel, IntelX.io has some of the tools for, for that. We're on the Bazell Intel Technique site. Um, there are other ones out there as well. Let's, uh, let's take a look at this. Now, Kirby, this was something that you tweeted out. And I saw it off of your Twitter feed about Mozilla doing a paid subscription service. Yeah. So I, so when this uh, came out, a few people, and I think even maybe you, Micah, got kind of upset and thought they were going to go locked too, because it was at the moment when everything was shutting down. But I what reckon. it really, yeah, what it really is about is instead of, I mean, the normal Firefox will just act as normal, but they're actually adding maybe a VPN so that you could actually protect your IP address while you're there and cloud storage. So I'm really interested to see, you know, what happens with this. Hmm. 
So like there'll be Firefox and Firefox Pro, something like that? Uh, maybe. Um, I don't know that it would, I think you would be in, inside your regular Firefox. So you'd be in Firefox, but maybe you'd have an add-on service where you could, you know, click a button, maybe like, maybe an add-on and just change your IP address. And then also, um, as far as the cloud service, I'm not sure, would you be like, would it be a Dropbox sort of thing or? No? Yeah. Well, well the, kind, the kind of it, like the Firefox sent already, and maybe then with some more uh, retention time or something. Right. Well, one of the things that they are talking about is that Mozilla, the foundation, is reliant on on donations and all for, for a lot of the work that it does. And from search engines. And search engines. And they want to be less reliant on Google and other places and be more independent, which means that they need to sell some kind of product or offer. So um, this will be interesting. We'll see what happens. I like that they're using Proton VPN. That's my favorite. I do mm -hmm. like Proton VPN. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which uh, brings up a yeah. great point. Our, our old friend Ludo Block, who's um, uh, was uh, tweeting out this past week, and he he has this great thread, which again we'll put into the show notes about VPNs, which VPNs he uses, and all, and how does he use VPNs? Uh, he mentions that one privacy site.net, which has a great uh, spreadsheet type of format for looking at a, a lot of different factors that go into people's uh, choices for which, which VPN provider they use. Um, but he also talks about some of the features that you might be interested in, like the mandatory kill switch and uh, shuttling DNS over uh, the VPN and all. So um, that was a, a neat article. I think, uh, Nico, maybe you found that or retweeted that or? Uh, could be, I retweet a lot. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's get into uh, some of the other fun stuff that happened these past couple of weeks. Uh, the Layer 8 OSINT and Social Engineering Conference came and went. Uh, Ginsburg and I were there. Ginsburg wasn't able to be at the at the uh, at this webcast, but uh, he and I were there. He did. He ran the Trace Labs uh, CTF, which was very successful. We had a lot of people, and for those of you that don't know, tracelabs.org runs an OSINT CTF where they work with local, uh, mostly United States from what I've seen, United States uh, law enforcement to find people that have gone missing the last 30 days or so and have been reported missing. And then they provide information, the law enforcement provides information to Trace Labs. Trace Lab then sets up a CTF at events. And I hear that they might be setting up a worldwide, just, hey, help us find these people type of event, uh, which would be really, really cool. Uh, the idea is that you find, if you find things about the people that are uh, missing, that and you submit them to Trace Labs. Trace Labs has judges that look it up and go, yep, this was non-public before. You found something new, you get X number of points. And then they take all that information and send it over to law enforcement uh, to actually see if that person wants to get found and also to, to help. Uh, move forward. They've been very successful at other events, and I heard that they were pretty successful at at uh, the Larry conference as well. But what if uh, just uh, my devil's advocate minds popped up? What if you are looking with a team at people who actually don't want to be found? Yep, and that was something that was brought up as well. The idea here is that you, as a person that's a contestant on this, you are bound by certain rules. You know, like don't publish this, don't blog about this specific information. Uh, although those are kind of loose rules, 
but the information that's collected from by Trace Labs about the person does not get published to the internet. It goes right to law enforcement. So let's uh-huh. say that I think in your example, you know, somebody is a victim of domestic violence. Their spouse has beat them up and they've <clears throat> finally left their spouse and they don't want to be found. Well, yeah. Trace yeah. Labs isn't going to post, hey, we found this person. Look. <laughs> They're going to send it to law enforcement who then reach out and say, hey, did you want to be found? And okay, then, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's good thought. And, you know, I always like the way that your brain works where you're always thinking about, well, you know, the the other side of the coin. So, yeah. Um, At layer eight, I went ahead and I gave a presentation and that yielded some 10 minute tips. So on the OSINT Curious website, we have uh, six different uh, uh, new six different new 10 minute tips that are just about how to go beyond looking in your browser. To your point earlier, Steve. You were hmm. saying that, uh, you know, we, we, we can use a browser, but the more we get into these automated yeah. tools and all, the more we get. Um, and the faster we get it too. that automation piece, what my talks are about, what was about was about moving beyond just looking at what's rendered in the browser. So yeah. those are, and they were really cool. I really liked, uh, especially I like the, the, the TikTok one because that's, gave, I think, a lot of people some new insights on how to gather information uh, information on TikTok because it's a really big emerging platform and I think it's becoming maybe even bigger than Instagram if you see how quickly it rises, especially yeah, here in Europe. It's really yeah. addicting. Also, um, let me point out that, you know, you get, the, you get sometimes more information like TikTok, for example, you get the dates, right? And you're it also easier to work with information. So if you get it from the browser, sometimes it's hard to get it into something that's manageable to work with. Whereas you create a tool, you can send it straight to spreadsheet or straight to another tool. Yeah. So uh, Mika, correct me if I'm wrong. Is layer eight OSINT only? It's OSINT and social engineering. Those are the two primary tracks. And there were several hundred people there this year. It's up in Rhode Island. And the talks were social engineering, physical uh, physical penetration testing, and the like, as well as OSINT. So they had uh, they had two tracks going for most of the day. It's just, it's a one day conference. Next year, I hear that they're possibly expanding. And one of our uh, another one of the other people that we're going to be bringing on to the webcast here is Patrick Laverty, who is one of the co-founders, co-runners of that conference. Yeah. So we can get more about it from him wish to be there one day yeah yeah that'd be cool all right let's see what else we got here we have yeah this was something that happened just today or yesterday Nico, you tell us yeah. about, uh, what this is well um this popped up in my timeline and well the quote unquote ocean accounts they were suspended on twitter and i gotta say OSINT accounts with quotes because um, they were more like uh, accounts who like tweet breaking news or like news from conflict zones Uh. or specific suppressed countries. And they were, so in fact, they were um, making news public that must be public because it's in some like weird, crazy regime state or something. And Twitter all of a sudden started suspending uh, a couple of those accounts. Um, actually happened to my Dutch Ocean Guy account uh, a few years ago uh, too, because I was tweeting about the Turkish coup attempt back then. And 
Well, and in my opinion, it's not Twitter who is actually, well, they are suspending you, but it's people reporting your specific posts, which get you suspended. So mostly these are, in my opinion, kind of like troll campaigns uh, from those nation states who don't uh, want you to make things public or at least um, give those specific incidents momentum. And they will report you en masse, probably by bots or something. And which gets a lot of these, well, kind of important accounts suspended. So I wanted to point it out, maybe maybe it's just to keep in mind when you have like a high profile kind of accounts, you might want to consider what you tweet and when you tweet it. Mm -hmm. Maybe just set up like another suck puppet account for these kind of things. When, when they get suspended, you can spin up another one. Well, and also I think somebody mentioned, it might've been you, Nico, that, uh, that we don't, uh, you know, we think in the United States, we think we have freedom of speech and stuff, but these are not public platforms. We're not standing on some street corner out in the middle of, of the, the county or the state or whatever mm -hmm. saying, hey, Twitter doesn't, what we're doing is we're using a private platform owned by private companies and, and we're, they're allowing us to have free accounts on there. So at any date and time they want, they can go ahead and suspend people. We've seen some really crazy suspensions recently um, just for, for weird stuff. And there was actually a, a Facebook challenge with the fake video of Mark Zuckerberg recently, mm -hmm. where somebody was testing whether Facebook would actually censor a one of those, those deep fake videos with Zuckerberg in it. Um, we're seeing that, and what people have to realize is that these platforms are not free. They're free for us to use, but they're not. They're not free speech platforms. Yeah, it, it's TikTok crazy. just went and um, I know that they shut down within the last couple of months. Some different users too. I have no idea why, but then there were some TikTok campaigns to let certain people come back on as well. And so you see that even and it's everywhere. Yeah, and probably Twitter is like an algorithm. For instance, if 100 people report Mika's account, don't do it, in like an hour, um, it, get, it gets automatically suspended. And then you have to fill all kinds of forms in Twitter to, to please get back. And I tried it with my, with my previous account, but they don't even respond at all. So. Yeah, and that, that's one of the hard. That's one of the tough parts because um, nowadays it's trivial to get somebody to have a thousand bots or five hundred bots or yeah. even a hundred bots do a thing. So instead of tweeting out, "Hey, Micah said something inflammatory," what they could do is submit a form that says this tweet is um, is inappropriate, and if enough people do it, get us banned. Yeah, it's almost like a social media denial of service. Exactly. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, let's go back to the news. So that's something to worry about. And then, Nico, you were uh, talking about this other thing, this fake video news debunker. Yeah, Invit. Uh, well, it's just an, an add-on uh, or extension or which runs in Chrome or Firefox or basically every browser, um, which I um, really like to use. It was initially made by the European Union under a, some kind of grant. And now it has been updated by, a, by another party, which they hired. And it has some new updates and it's been tweaked and fine-tuned. And especially particularly good for 
verifying uh, video footage or images on, for instance, YouTube or Facebook. It gives you also the ability to magnify uh, within a picture. For instance, if you want to see the tail number on a plane, you can magnify it uh, with that. So it's it's a really, uh, I really like to use it from time to time. It's a value. It's a valuable one in mm. my toolbox. <clears throat> That's in vid, and we will go ahead and post that in the show notes as well. Yeah. All right. Any other things from this past week that, or these past two weeks that anybody wants to talk about? Um, well, maybe we should point out uh, Twint slash um, yeah. Goog project. Um, right. I would just like to give a warm applause to uh, Pilko, uh, non-privacy, what's his name? Um, he, he goes. He goes by like free handles. Uh, Francesco Poldi is his name, yeah. which I know him by, and he makes this awesome projects. Uh, the Twint Twitter scraper, which like I think almost seventy percent of the OSINT community uses, mm. but he also works with I was really fond of and played with last week. He's in a final beta on a Telegram scraper and visual uh, visualization tool which really works well so um well he's just one guy and he works like really hard to um provide us with these awesome stable running tools so check out um i think it's twitter handle is non-privacy non right yeah n-o-n-e privacy and just type in your search engines twins or gog and you will find his tools and we'll put links to them in the show notes it's really awesome and i just think he deserves uh, a big shout out yeah definitely I, yeah. I i love it when people post blog posts like this where you know it's not only hey i made this tool but here's what the tool does and how it works because if you're somebody that's new um out there that doesn't Python a lot or doesn't use Go a lot or whatever, understanding how a script works is very important to your comfort level of, yeah, I can actually run this tool. Uh, so I, I really like how the, he's really, he's... Uh, yeah, it's similar to Nick's uh, Intel, Steve's his type of blogging, just writing up, showing with pictures what actually happens. I really like it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for bringing that up. Kirby, anything yeah. else as far as the news? No, but um, I'll be keep tagging things on Twitter with Osin Curious as I see them come across. So, excellent. Yeah, excellent. and I, I see someone in the chat pointing out that uh, we like five or six shows um, uh, ago we talked about the spying challenge, mm -hmm. and the new one is the 2019 edition is coming up at uh, during Le Hack, which is French for the hack. <laughs> I know my languages, I told you. <laughs> and uh, it's on the 6th of July. So if you want to check it out, go to spyingchallenge.com uh, and uh, it will point you to the 2019. Nico, there's another question for you there too. Oh, another one. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a really important week for Belling in Bellingcat because on Wednesday, uh, the joint intervention team from all like law and, and government agencies will give an update on MH17 uh, plane crash. And Bellicat will also, uh, on the same day, will reveal uh, a 100 page report on new findings about the MH, downing of the MH17. So, um, well, I can't 
get into detail. We just have to wait till Wednesday, but uh, be on the lookout. I think it will be all over the news. So be on the lookout for cool. those updates. Really important. That's the MH17 plane that was shot down or went down. Uh, more information coming out. Yeah. Later in the week. Yeah, and well, yeah, well, like someone in chat, like Eric says, it's a win for OSINT. Well, I definitely think, think it's a win for OSINT. When you look into that specific case, um, well, it's more OSINT than that. It's it's all in there. It's image verification. It's finding people. It's finding number. It's finding every, everything. So, yeah, really important work. All right. Well, how about this? How about we uh, go ahead and wrap this up? We're just about at an hour here. Um, want to thank our special guest, Steve, uh, Nick's Intel. Steve, uh, do you have anything that you want to promote? Anything, uh, blog posts coming out or fun things that you're doing that you want to promote? Yeah, I, I have a few blog posts in the works um, that will look at how you can attribute websites to people. Now that who is is like post GDPR is like, it's it's well it's not as useful as it used to be i have a few posts on website attribution which will be coming out shortly um yeah i have no other services or that to promote really um just as quiz time as i mentioned before has been a great resource and is my new favorite hobby um so yeah if you don't if you don't use quiz time and you want to learn about OSINT stuff um that's a great place to start yeah, i couldn't right. agree more hey kirby what do you want to talk about here yeah um i would just point out that I do have another class happening in Dallas. So if anybody wants to come, that is law enforcement only, and it's subsidized by the sheriff's departments out there. So really low cost. I think our cost is $4.95 per person. So look at our pluses.net slash events. Nico? No, nothing for me at this moment. Cool. Well, before I get to my shameless self-promotion, I want to thank two of our sponsors, uh, the Sands Institute, uh, for helping us get this uh, webcast and podcast going and help keeping us in the stickers and logos and things. Also, our newest sponsor, Hunchly. Uh, thank you to Yay. Justin Seitz and his company for uh, helping us to, again, uh, just keep this thing going and uh, and get great guests on here and uh, keep putting out good content. So uh, um, my shameless self-promotion is uh, my class is uh, my OSIN class at Sands Institute is happening all around the world. Uh, lots of time, lots of uh, classes available for the summer. I'll be out in uh, DC this coming week. If you are going to Sandsfire and if you are going to be down there in Washington, DC, please pull me aside. I'll have OSIN curious stickers. I'll also be out in California um, in July and August. So uh, I'll have some, I'll bring some stickers out with me. Other than that, uh, thanks very much for coming to the show. Thank you again. Huge thanks to Steve for being with us. Yeah, thank you very much. And uh, have a great week, everybody. Stay awesome and curious. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks for coming and listening.